Hey folks, SH1T coming to you live, having a conversation with George Menchaca. He is a teacher in Uvalde, a fantastic dude. Um, really appreciated the conversation and him taking time out of his very, very busy schedule to uh, to enlighten me about the education system, rehashing uh, old stories in Spider-D, and uh, a couple of leadership conversations, which I thought were great. So thank you for your time, George. And uh, everybody else, listen and enjoy the podcast. Hey, George. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm living the dream. What are you up to these days, kind sir? Uh, once, just, uh, but first off, uh, like I tell everybody, thank you for doing this so very much um, for the podcast. It's, it's uh, truly a treat to have you, of all people, on uh, the goody two-shoes of the group. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. <laughs> uh, well, even the goody two shoes. No, I don't know as many of the where the bodies are buried as uh, as Ellis does, but I I was there for a few things. Oh, uh, the only thing I'll, only thing I'll say is uh, Colleen. I'll leave it at that. What the the what? Colleen. Colleen. Oh, uh, regale me, man. I so one of the things I've noticed about this podcast is that I have like memory loss issues. My wife has told me as much to where I don't remember damn near anything when it comes to anything. So. Go ahead, shoot. What happened in Colleen? All right, well, I'm not going to say a whole lot, but it was you told us to come down there, and we went to probably the most redneck wedding ever, <laughs> and then followed off by one of the weirdest house parties ever. And part of this one, and yeah, I'm never, yeah, that, that, that's. Uh, okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. More, Exactly. So you know why I'm speaking in generalities right now. Uh, it's a, that was a hilarious. Uh, that was a weird fucking night. But I apologize for the cursing. No, but you're, yeah. you're good. You're good. You're good. Trust me. There's a few of Trust me. That, that, that's an absolute way to describe that <laughs> night. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that we could get you to the old Central Texas uh, way we get down in Shag Dag Party, but uh, that was not the first shotgun wedding I'd ever been to. So, well, uh, I mean, it's uh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it'll be the last, but hopefully uh, it will be. Oh yeah, oh, me, me too, as well. But uh, you are, you're, you're a school teacher right now, right? Uh, that's actually where I am right now. Yes, I am. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Hope you're not. Uh, uh, being paid for this uh, little expert ex excursion or whatever the case no, is. No, no, trust me. <laughs> uh, if I got paid on the weekends, trust me, I'd be filling it in. No, this is all. Uh, oh, uh, you need all this to get this done. You have this much time to do it. It's like, no, this is pretty standard of being a teacher. You got to spend. Uh, my girlfriend was here for about two hours earlier, then she came home to watch the kids, and now I'm here. Oh, okay, so you don't you don't put in just forty hours a week. You put in a lot of time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I'm a coach as well, but even if, it, you know, maybe I wasn't coaching, I would have some more time, but, you know, if you have, like, you know, Alicia's not a coach, but, you know, there's three kids, so time is, you know, we have, even with your conference period, and if you really work that conference period, it's hard to get everything done. You got a grade, you got to get, you know, assignments ready, and then, and there's always something that comes up. So, you know, 50 minutes really is enough to get everything done. So, yeah, I spend, you know, I try to only make about an hour or two on the weekend, but, you know, sometimes it's more. It just kind of depends. Yeah, it, and any teacher that cares, when I was growing up, any teacher that cared about anything, they would, you would, you would see them there the weekends or they'd be staying grading papers or doing whatever. And like you said, it's probably doubly worse because you're a coach. Um, offensive oh, coordinator, man. defensive coordinator, head coach, what are you doing? No, uh, I'm doing, this year I'm doing varsity football, 
basketball and track. For football, I was, you know, uh, I called a defense for the JV and did secondary. Um, so that was kind of what my role was on Fridays, was secondary coach. And then for basketball, I was a varsity assistant. I was the head coach for the freshmen. And this year for uh, track, I'm doing uh, varsity and JV discus and varsity and JV pole vault. So did you do all these things and what – how did you learn to train these kids to do the specific skill sets that you're in? Like, I, obviously, you probably played football and basketball in high school when you were growing up, yeah? Well, I played football, but I was an O-lineman and D-lineman. Uh, I never – I'm going to tell you right now, my basketball experience is uh, <laughs> freshman, freshman Spider-D freshman team and uh, Super A uh, basketball team. And we all know that freshman Spider-D team was really a well-coached organization. I'll just throw oh, that out it there. Was, it, it was so well coached. I remember the game where we played three. We were playing three guys from E1 against all. all I think we had, against the the four of us, and yeah, we were still getting. Uh, we were still getting smoked. Who? Uh, but it was, it was E1. Who wore a wig? Like I think I wore a wig in a like a Allison Allen Iverson sleeve uh, when we were playing uh, back then. The joke league. I, I remember. I don't. I'm trying to remember uh, those. I remember, mainly I remember those Super 18 games. Was it was it was a fun mix of teams that were in on the joke with you, and teams <laughs> that were like, no, we're we're gonna have no no no. We're here to play basketball. Like if you played, uh, I think we played the band, and those guys were not in the joke. Yeah, they, I mean maybe because they were the band and they already had that kind of chip on their shoulder. No one respects us, so they were not in on it. What and was then that? We played Gator. Gator two, and they were like, "Oh yeah, no, no, we know who you guys are. We, we want to have some fun too." <laughs> what? What was that play that Tony Borski and uh, I think it was uh, Barry ran the the twisted ankle play? So they ran swing the gate, and it was it was the when all the sophomores, uh, Brent Schofield and all these people, they ran a swinging gate play, and then somebody got it. Somebody faked like they had an ankle injury, and then they like scored a layup, and we just celebrated for ten minutes. See, I- I don't remember that one because if it was when all those guys were sophomores, I was still fish, so I probably wasn't uh, oh, this a welcome so party great. at that game. But what I do remember was, you know, we were already getting beat, and we convinced the refs were always kind of. I think they were kind of had it up to here. It was like, look, we just wanted to try one thing. Let's do it once, and then you know we'll kind of play a normal game. And it was where I got on all fours, and Joey Dodge jumped off my back <laughs> and just slammed up. And that was about as far as their patience went. And then they were like, yeah, we're, we're not doing this anymore. Oh, man. We, uh, somebody carried uh, one guy in a chair like a king. Uh, we Somebody wore a wig and an, an Iverson sleeve. We'd shoot from half court all the time. Uh, I, I'll never forget that swinging gate play. Yeah, the dunk play for you. And then you almost, uh, what did they do? They taped a skateboard to your chest and put a oh, helmet no, no, that wasn't uh, that wasn't Super A. That was just us with way too much time in our yeah, hands I, before we did March to the Prize. Which is typically just core core fun in general. Like, uh, what you, what you got to remember that that whole thing, you know, it makes it sound you look. Well, that was just one day of us, you know, being idiots. But that had actually been going on for about all week. <laughs> there was a skateboard ended up in there. I think it may have belonged to uh, may have belonged to Wade Wade White. Yeah. Because he was the one I would see most on. And then, you know, uh, uh, David just kind of got, you know, uh, David Cook just kind of got bored. And he would kind of, you know, uh, kind of push me around. Because it was at the end of the year. So, you know, other than us uh, doing drop night, with the, everything was pretty, 
pretty cool. And then it was raining. If you remember, it was raining that uh, that that Saturday, so we were we didn't leave automatically. We were supposed yep. to. We were about two or three hours in there, so we were just kind of messing around. And then we got the idea of you know when he would just kind of I just kind of lay on a push, but you know I'd shift around a lot. So we think, well, if we really want to build some speed. We actually have it connected to him, so we duct taped it to me. It's like, well, if we run to really go fast, we should probably be safe. So they found that biker helmet and put it on me. Yeah, nice. And then we're like, let's up the ante and put some uh, trash cans in the middle of the hallway. So finally, where we had it pyramided, and then Joey was sitting at the top and filming it as they're driving me down there. And of course, Dave had the idea. It's like, hey, one time when you hit, just lie still and really freak out Alice <laughs> like you're paralyzed. Yeah, Alice did not appreciate that one. Dude, it looked like you died. Like, it looked, it, like, I swear to I was sitting there looking. Uh, and I look left, and you you hit that wall, and you looked like it was over. And I could see the shock on Ellis's face, and he was not no, too, he was not happy at all. No, we we had to speed. He oh, not dude. happy either because he, he we knew uh, he knew he was gonna be one to have to tell my parents. Dude, you went <laughs> you he he built up quite a bit of speed. David was a was a definitely a definitely a prankster. Um, yes, uh, he was. But uh, the the one where he got me the best was when he gave me the. Uh, I guess when they give out the, the Spider-D t-shirts and they called me McDaniel Jr. or Casey McDaniel or whatever the case is, it that hurt so much because it was so true. And I, I just didn't realize it at the time. But I was basically well, I was basically Casey McDaniel's light with all the other uh, stuff that I did. So Without actually saying what, what the shirt said, I remember after they gave shirts to you all, because what they did to, uh, to Mark Calico and put on his shirt... Uh, they were like, you know what? Uh, the parents are going to see these, so we need to uh, we need to make sure it's a really inside joke where they don't know exactly uh, where they can see and like, oh, that's a, that's kind of funny because uh, they got a little they they got they looked at his last name and kind of just rearranged a word here too. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, they like ripped my heart out. It was it was so good. It was. Is, is the best like in the in the moment it sucked but looking back on it it's like perfect so uh, kudos to him um yes, exactly. oh good stuff man that was awesome uh well in the podcast right there no i'm joking <laughs> no, no 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 but yeah it's, it's you know it's, it's funny how that tangent went from uh we were talking about super a originally we went we were talking about coaching yeah. Uh, so you, uh, going back to it, so how long does it take to get a teaching certificate? Uh, you were at A&M for an X amount of years. Walk me through how that goes to like get certified to become a teacher. All right. Uh, well, I mean, it's like, it, it's like, you know, uh, it's any type of licensure. So the same way uh, Ellis had to, you know, become, uh, get the license to be insured, it's the same thing. The only difference is, you know, being insurance tells me you don't need a college degree, but this you do. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Uh, me being one of the people I stayed in my major, uh, mine went directly through, uh, I was going to be ready to teach automatically. Now, on the flip side, you have Alicia, who graduated, but hers wasn't necessarily in education. So when she got this job here, she did a program called Texas Teachers. So her first year, uh, like, I mean, it was a pretty decent amount of her paycheck. I mean, it was like maybe 300 a paycheck where they're basically helping her get her license. And then 
you take your test. You have to take a test that's called a PPR, and uh, then you have to take your subject area test. So you take your PPR, which is like a general teaching test, and then your subject level, this is what you are uh, certified to teach. So for her, you know, she's certified to teach, uh, I believe, four direct science. And for me, I got a lot more uh, because I have PE. I can do every level to 12th grade. And then I can do social studies 4 through 8 and history through 12. So if they had, they, which, you know, where, where, where I'm at, if they move me around, uh, they can move me around to any of those grades. So can you, did, so if you have like football or something, do you have to get certified to teach in that? Or do you have to have like a PE certification and that allows no. you to do everything? No, you do not. You do not have, you know, technically it's just kind of up to the discretion. The, the, the coach, uh, there's no real actual certificate you have to get. It's kind of, you know, it's up to the discretion to AD a lot of that. I mean. So they can just, hi- can they just hire somebody off the street to be the high school football coach or what? No. Uh, to be like to be like a head coach AD like ours is, you have to have at least your master's. Okay. Or at least be working that road. So that is that is part of it. Uh, as far as teaching goes, you hear your text teachers do like I did, where I had enough. Uh, where you know I did STEM teaching uh, for a for a semester. So I uh, I moved from College Station went to Austin, and then I did my uh, STEM teaching at a place called Dripping Springs. And more, I kind of, you know, when I did that, my whole plan was I'm going to, you know, because I, when I went to go live with Josh, uh, I figured, all right, I'm going to get a, you know, I'm going to get a job here in Austin, you know, teaching, you know, me and him are going to be roommates, you know, we're going to kind of live, you know, you know, young Austin life. And I kind of thought, all right, this is going to kind of be my uh, life's plan for a while. And things didn't quite work out that way. They usually never do. No, they don't. And it was uh, the, the main reason for that was the teacher's recession that was going on in uh, 2010 when I graduated. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, there was a, probably a bit of a time where I really wondered if I was ever going to actually teach. Was this... it was about it was about one and a half years before I found a teaching job. Was this something you always wanted to do to be a teacher or be a coach or be a whatever? It was teaching only. My, my you know, as you may or may not know, my mom was a teacher. Yeah, uh, I did know that did it for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, I, it, it always kind of appealed to me because, you know, I'm a very structured, scheduled, oriented person. I was kind of like the idea of that. Now, where I decided I really wanted to coach was in my freshman year, I did powerlifting. And I remember the coach then, you know, because powerlifting is my weight class, he started talking to us about, you know, you really have to be dialed in on your, on your nutrition. And he kind of gave it, you know, me some tips and I actually dropped a bunch of weight doing that I remember being one of the first times ever I was told something and then I applied it and I actually saw you know benefits and success with it and I was like you know what? I kind of want to do that eventually uh so you know going to college I knew I want to be a teacher and coach but it actually my whole relationship with coaching actually changed a bunch uh as kind of the years went on just because of different experiences I had. Because when I was at A&M, and one of the great things about A&M, amongst other things, but I was there long enough, um, is, you know, they're, when they, you're going to a teacher program, I was kinesiology, but even going to a teacher program for that, they are all about putting you in classrooms. Even you're just observing. And you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'd say probably the 
first classroom I went into was bad. And it was a lot because the teacher, he would just sit down in front of the students, he'd pull out a book and start reading. And the two or three times I went in there, that's all he was doing. Uh, but what I also found out about him, he was a football coach. And he was apparently a decent one, but I was like, geez, if coaching makes you this type of teacher, I don't want anything to do with it. And then what kind of solidified my opinion of that was the next semester I went to see another teacher, and this guy was good. He was a government teacher. I mean, he had good lessons. He was getting students involved. I'm like, oh, wow, this is good, but he wasn't a coach. So I'm like, you know what? Even though that was originally the plan, you know, going into student teaching, I had kind of made up my mind that I was going to coach. That kind of was done. Uh, but once again, as we just talked about, uh, life of their plans. Yep. Because when I got the dripping, you had to do some type of project. Uh, it was either you sponsored something, or one of the things you did was coach. So I didn't have any plans on doing that, but the guy who uh, they was kind of my appraiser for student teaching was uh, the junior high athletic director. And, you know, I, before I even said things, oh, yeah, you're going to help us coach. And it wasn't like, hey, you know, we'd like to be a coach. It's like, no, you're, you're going to do this. So we start on Monday, so be here, and we'll kind of uh, work with you through every day. And when I did that, uh, I really liked the people I was working with, the coaches I was working with. They were good, they were good coaches, but they were good teachers. So I'm like, all right, I can do both of these things, and there's a good balance. So it kind of made me want to be a coach again. Uh, but yeah, that was, and that's kind of how I knew when I first got to, you know, end up here in Valley, I wanted to be a middle school teacher and coach. Mm -hmm. And, and it was kind of, you know, and, and no one's really more surprised now that I'm coaching high school than me at this point. What was the worst thing you've ever seen when you were either training or what you've seen now? Uh, worst thing I've ever seen. I would say... I would say probably that was when I was there because I remember he had to leave the classroom for a second or something. And he was kind of like, uh, can you just watch him for a second? I was like, sure. I really wasn't interacting with students. He walked out and one student looked at me as like, uh, oh, why are you here? I'm like, uh, I'm a teacher. I'm a student at Texas A&M. You know, observing classrooms. He's like, no, 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 no. I know that. But why are you here? He's not a good teacher. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I, I just kind of started stopping. Like, we, this is all we do in class. So I'm like, uh, and then I, I didn't really know what to say. But, I mean, it's teaching in general is like any other profession. You, know, you have, you're going to see some really good people. And I'd say the majority of people are, you know, I, I work with good, really good people you know, who put a lot of time, put a lot of effort in this. But like many other profession, you know, Navy, I'm sure, included, you have those people either one that came to this business for the wrong reason or, you know, if you don't have the passion for this, like, you know, me being here on a Sunday, if that's done, then you need to find something else. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's not, you know, if you come in here thinking, oh, I'm going to get my summers off, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to earn that <laughs> summer off. And if you're a coach, then, yeah, you don't have much of a summer off. So don't really plan on enjoying it that much. Yeah, the whole – looking back on it now, when I was going through high school and uh, to some extent college, looking back, you could tell who's who's there like a jaded cop trying to get their pension, who really cares. And it makes it makes a big difference. It really does. And then the strict disciplinarians. Uh, so it really does. 
they'll either stifle creativity or they'll bring it back up or they'll do uh, they'll get you engaged in the subject or it's they're just ho-hum they got better places to be than to do whatever and you can really affect uh, children that are growing up especially middle school and high school i mean sometimes they're already a lost cause you think or no like uh, i mean i but I, I, it's, it's weird it's kind of you know i've seen it both phases because i've had uh you know, it's kind of one of the things we talk about a lot is, you know, as coaches, because, you, know, we, we, you know, we've had students, you know, they're not following what we want them to do, you know, and then it, be, it becomes one of those things like, okay, we set expectations, we have to follow this person, not following them. But then, you know, we've had this conversation before. We, we get this kid out of athletics, uh, per se, you know, that, this is all they have. So this is the only thing keeping them somewhat involved in school. If we take that away, are we basically making this kid drop out of high school? Which you know, that that's a lot to kind of carry on you. But you and got, you, it, but it, you got to hold people accountable, right? You got to hold people accountable for whatever well, you you do, and that's kind of the ultimate. Uh, as teachers, that's kind of one thing we always go back and forth about is you know what is that balance? And honestly, I think at some times we don't have a good enough relationship with them. But also in the same token, we don't hold uh, students accountable enough too. It's you know it, it's trying to find that balance. You know we're we're not there yet. I say you know uh, especially teaching. Um, I don't know if it was any better before, but I mean it's definitely something we struggle with now. So this is trying to find you know how do we hold them accountable. This seems like a leadership problem that I face daily on the in the Navy, right? So the problem is is that you got to know your people, and so forgive me if I'm talking in spades or, or talking above or below the problem, but uh, you lose them because you don't know who they are. Right. So if you, if you yeah. don't, if you don't understand the problem, then they're just gonna, your lack of not knowing somebody is no reason not to hold them accountable. So if they're not meeting a standard or a criteria on your football team or in your classroom or whatever, that's life. Like, I'm sorry. Like that well, is that, what it that's is. That's kind of when it's kind of how we, you know, I look at it too. Is that the fact, you know, and I tell this, you know, I'm, I'm teaching pretty P kids now, and they're and it, they're good kids. Yep. But, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I, I think for the first time they've seen, oh, I, I made like 20 or something, and it's like, you know, what's going on? I tell them, like, you know, guys, you know, when, you, you know, something's not going right or you're not passing, you're going to get, your parents are going to get a call from me. I'm going to say, hey, this is what's going on. Or, you know, I give you the opportunity to make corrections, you know, uh, and now you she had the choice to do that or not, but what you understand is, you know, when you I, I ask them, raise your hand if you want to college. And of course it's pre PA, they all raise their hands. Okay, guys, here's what you gotta understand. When you get there, wherever you decide to go, they're gonna be calling your mom and dad. Uh, if you fail, it's like, okay, they probably won't even know your name. You're just only thing they're really concerned about is did you send in your check? Or did your scholarship money go through? Because at that point, you're just a cognitive system, and they don't, there's no real, oh, you know, let me make sure you pass. Like, no. I mean, I don't want to say they necessarily don't care, but at those freshman level classes, they probably really don't. They, they, you're just fulfilling kind of a goal. I'm trying to say, look, I, I care. I want you to do this, but, you know, it's not good. You don't meet me halfway. There's nothing I can do for you. You yeah. have to hit certain standards. Is college still the dream that everybody has, or we has that, has that shifted at all to like technical schools or does is everybody's everybody in the class if you don't go to college you're a failure is that still a thing 
uh, where you're at? No, well, I mean, for me, and this is something I learned after my first year, is I think I was one of those people who's like, you know, college, 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 and then you realize, well, that's not everyone's, that's not everyone's goal. So I t- tell my, it's like, look, whatever you want to do, and it can be anything. You want to go to college, great. You want to join the military, great. You want to work on cars for the rest of your life, great. But whatever you decide to do, make sure you want to be the absolute best at that profession you can be. You might not be, but if you go into that goal that you want to be the best, it's going to make you continue to strive and work harder. And that's kind of what I try and point to mine, is I kind of realize, well, maybe it's not everyone's goal to go to college. And maybe me saying that, it doesn't really affect them. Uh, and I've kind of, and that's what I've told them over the, you know, the last five or six years I've been teaching, uh, I've been teaching coaching. Whatever you want to do, do it to your best of your ability. And, you know, make sure whatever you do that you are there to make sure you provide for your family. So are there any, like, what's your greatest success story with a student so far? So you're five years teaching. I mean, it's little things. I mean, it was. I remember last year uh, we had to go. I had to go help work the graduation because you're a coach. You go there, uh, you help check the kids in. Uh, they don't let them like they don't let them carry they, like their cell phones or like certain things after with them. So you know, you, I was the one collecting all that. I remember at the end of graduation, this kid came up to me and was like, uh, "Coach Chuck, do you remember me?" I didn't quite remember his name, but I knew who he was. I remember him from seventh class. He, you know, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> we were always going back and forth. And I remember these guys, you know, I, it's like, hey, I just wanted to apologize. You know, I wasn't real, you know, I wasn't real good in your class, but, you know, you you kind of uh, were always real fair. Like, hey, man, don't worry about it. That's a long time ago. You know, I'm, I'm doing real good now. I'm about to go to college. Well, that's good. So little things like that. Yeah. Or you you have those kids who, you know, being, we're some acre campus, so you have eighth graders who uh, now, but when they're seventh graders, you just, you just went, you, it, was, it was a conscious struggle, and then they see you. It's like, oh, Coach Machaca, I really miss you. I wish I still had you this year. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, you hated me last year. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You were, you were really good. So things like that, I would say. You know, those are. Do I have some over? Do, have I, do I have some huge success story where some kid said I graduated because of Coach Machaca? No, I don't. <laughs> How do I teach but, these kids? Eggs? No, I don't have. I don't have one of those. But. But the little things like that are, I would say, is what you know, makes you feel good about your job and makes you keep coming back. Yep. Yeah, I got the, I the same experience, man. The the twenty somethings that look at you and like, oh, I'm I'm happy that you're my chief or whatever the case is. That's that's the reason why you come back to work and that's the reason why you you do it every day and you bring you don't whatever your petty differences are or whatever whatever's bothering you. That stuff that stuff stops at the door and you come in and do. Um, just whatever needs to be done to take care of them. So that's awesome. Whatever you have to be. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you know, when I look at it, I just hope I leave them in a better place than uh, they started. Yep. When I do that, then I'm doing my job. How is the then, how how is the education system failing? How is it succeeding? What what problems do you see right, wrong, and different? What, if you were king for a day, what would you do? Like, was that too much? I of was. It? You know, we we kind of. Once again, I'll kind of answer this broadly. You know. yeah, 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 I don't want you to get in trouble. <laughs> but it, it's kind of one of those things. We, we you know, and, you know, we were kind of because we had a. I was talking to some of their coaches I worked with. We were kind of talking about this. You know, we we're getting 
because we were working late to like 1 a.m. on Friday because we had a middle school track meet, and we kind of got in a conversation about this. I think a lot of it comes down to what we were just talking about before. You have to hold uh, people accountable, but you have to start early, and you have to make sure everybody understands that this is uh, this is standard. You don't meet it, uh, and they know automatically, okay, this is what's going to happen. I think, you know, a lot of what sometimes happens is, uh, you know, we're so in a rush to kind of move people up who maybe, like, I'm I'm talking about students who maybe necessarily aren't ready. Yeah. And it's tough because you're a teacher at those levels, you know, time, you think you have all the time in the world, you don't. But it's such, it's not an easy thing to say, you know, this this student needs uh, another year. And then, you know, parents don't necessarily want their students to be retained. But, you know, we've heard, you know, we're talking about in our school district where, you know, apparently, the, you know, the parents have to sign a contract right at the beginning of that year. You know, this is this is the standard, and you need to understand. So I would say something like that where, you know, maybe that's more uniform, uh, where there's certain skills they have to make sure they reach, and everybody's on board with that. I think that would kind of be uh, – kind of the, the ultimate starter to kind of start improving some things. But also another thing, I think if you've never taught in a classroom, then you don't necessarily need to be making policy on education. Okay. Because I think that is a, a big problem. Because you say, well, you know, the, they should do this about test scores. Like, okay, well, come into, my, come into my classroom. Teach this class for about a week. And then you tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong. Uh because you're the one who wants to make decisions about how we're funded or you're the one who's saying, you know, we're not doing our jobs. Schools test scores are like this. Like, no, well, come in here and, and do it for a week and tell me how you feel differently. Because I think that's, that's a big thing. If you don't have any idea about, you know, what this is like, then you need to really think hard before you start saying exactly how uh, I should be evaluated. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, – dep- so you probably work for a big system, right? Just like I work for a big system. And the system has policies and the systems has rules. And sometimes the system's rules and policies don't make much sense. You still have to follow them. You still have to abide by them because if you don't, you don't have a job. Uh, if, you, if you don't abide by them on Monday, you probably don't have a job on Friday. But the one thing that I've, exactly. but the one thing I've learned and the one thing that helps me sleep at night is that if I hold them accountable or if I don't sign that check or if I don't do this or I don't do that, then I feel fine. So uh, I make a, every conscious effort that I can. I spend 25 hours a day, eight days a week, you know, uh, 50, 53 weeks out of the year, 366 days out of the year trying to get people where they need to be when it comes to whatever the situation, you know, whatever whatever, whatever the problem is, uh, uh, to get them right to fix that problem. And I, I think there's a parallel here with what you're going through or what you do. You probably give the I same mean, amount of no, effort. You're absolutely right. Yep. You're absolutely right. That you have to, what, I, what I've learned this being my seven year, is I take care of myself in my classroom. I deal with anything you know, they ask me to deal with to the best of my ability. But I worry about my thing first, and then whatever goes on out there, I just kind of deal with it. Yeah, but you got to hold them, like, you got to make sure you sleep at night because 
you you don't need to sign off if you don't think this kid's ready to go to the next grade or you don't think this kid should be playing on the field or you don't think this kid be, should be doing whatever you should never sign off on that and you should never be pressured to sign off on that that's definitely well, one that's thing i've learned about coaching is that you know it, it's the ultimate equalizer is that you know it's you go out there and you you put the best person in the best position possible and i can tell you uh one thing i'm very happy to say after you know doing this job as long as i have we never even if there has ever been outside pressure we've never come to pressure to be like you know what we have to play a less talented person over the rifle person it's always been like no this is the best person they're going to go uh that's never been something uh yeah but on the other piece is if this kid's not hacking it academically like should they be on the field or blah 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 if you've ever met that that issue or problem like you have to have the intestinal fortitude not to to do whatever but the things they teach well, us but yeah sorry yeah i'm not saying that that's occurred or whatever the case is maybe i'm detracting from no, the conversation it's actually it's actually you know it, it actually brings a bit to my first year i had this kid in my classroom and you know he was a good athlete but you know he was doing fine he was uh he was passing you know doing all the requirements I asked him to do well apparently he started running his mouth and he was starting to tell people well you know uh, coach machaca is passing me for football Oh, wow. And I remember I got called in, and they want, you know, the principal wanted to interview me. And I didn't end up going to the meeting just because I got, like, like a, like probably one of the worst cases of flu I ever had. But then, you know, the, the teacher who, he was pretty much, he pretty much was, and so was my mentor, like, hey, it's like, no, I didn't do any of that. You know, I didn't, you know, the kid was passing because he was passing. I, you know, I would never do something like that. And sure enough, they brought the kid in. And he was like, "Yeah, no, I, I was just running my mouth. None of that happened." But you know, it was it came down to you know they were thinking about you know suspending me, yeah. you know, taking away. Uh, you know, I was new. You know, this is only two months into my teaching coaching career, and you know, if this kid really wanted to hold down his story, then you know that that could have been my livelihood right there. Yeah. Do you do you guys get any sort of leadership training or leader? like investment training or like i mean investing in people training or do they just like how do, how are, no, how do they prepare I mean, you we've, we've had we've had leadership training it but it's i mean and i'm gonna be honest you said the best leadership training i've ever had it was the core cadet of course of course it, it, and that the core actually stands firm and stands uh, holding i've had some pretty good naval training but never in the sitting in the classroom it's always out there on the grinder learning what it is to do whatever and just interacting and and the challenges we faced in the core are fantastic leadership just principles acumen pillars whatever you want to call it and they teach i think uh you and your brother are cut from the same cloth as many people in the core are that stick with it and uh, uh learn a lot of great lessons and uh yeah it's, it's easier to come to work and bring your best whenever you've dealt with stuff like that in college well, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, you, you one, you learn, all right, nothing, all right, things are bad, all right, well. Always be worse. Going. It can always get worse, and, you know, there, there's no, I, I was trying to, I think I was trying to explain to Alicia one day, and you, I could tell she didn't quite understand it, is, you know, as much of the feet of feeling, there, there's nothing more invincible than that feeling. It's 359, you're lining up right by the door. You know it's gonna be bad. You know there's a million things you can't even think about. Joy screwed up, but there's almost that invincible feeling. It's like okay, 
you know, whatever. Let's just go out. Let's yeah, go out and see over. what happens. And you don't you, and you don't get that feeling anymore. It's kind of you know you had it, and it's almost almost kind of invisible feeling of we can deal with whatever comes our way. Yeah. But it, it's other little things to learn. Inspired. You just have to deal with people. You know, or right, you have a problem, you go talk to them. You don't just go you don't go back around. You're like okay, you communicate. I think that's one of the greatest things we learn being there is how to communicate with people, and that's kind of becoming a lost art amongst professionals. It's like you know, hey, you know, we got some problems, let's talk it out. And I'm not saying things were perfect back then, but you know, it was a better system we had compared to some of the things you probably dealt with in the military. I've dealt with in the education system amongst their people. Yeah, but what they teach uh, the the tenets, the seven tenets that I that have stuck with me and that I memorized. Uh, uh, for the uh, leadership class they go through, and, and I get graded on it every year, is that you got to know your people, right? So you got to be a leader. You got to walk the, you got to walk the plates, uh, so to speak, and understand and know your people. So that's that's number one. You got to be an institutional and uh, uh, technical expert. So not only do you have to know the education system to make you a, a lethal weapon when it comes to dealing with that stuff, you got to know whatever you're teaching, right? Back backwards and forwards. It has to be ingrained oh. in you. So when you're dealt with uh, uh, process. You got to have loyalty. You got to have loyalty to your kids. You got to have loyalty to the, the school system. You got to have loyalty to your fellow coaches. Um, you got to be a professional. Uh, you got to have some character. You got to have be able to communicate, and uh, you have to know where you came from. Uh, so uh, those are the those are the seven tenets that they try to teach you. Uh, and like you said, you uh, uh, you went through it in the core. I went through it in the core, uh, but not many people got that same. TLC, you know, uh, so it, no, I, think, I, I think it does a great totally disservice agree. to them. So, and yeah. you know, like I said, you know, I still think about you know that stuff today. But I would also say that that is, I don't know, you know, the kids I deal with, you know, football, they're all the sports I deal with. You know, it's a different type of group. I mean, I think we put a lot of them through a mediocre day of going to a hall party, inspired to a lot of them. It. They're not built to handle that. I'm not necessarily it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know it's a different way. Your philosophy has to change of how you deal with you know these kids. You still got to make sure they're pushed, but you can't necessarily do it as you know even the way we were coached. You know us going through high school, a lot of that has to change. Yep. If you know, because you know, especially when you deal with a high school athlete, you know they're just gonna quit. And then if they're a really good athlete, you know, that hurts you, that hurts your program. But then again, you also have to kind of hit that balance. Like, no, you still got to hit, you still got to hit all the standards you actually do, but you just have to do it a different way. I think that's a lot, you know, especially I started doing a little bit of high school last year and this year it's been all of it, you know, just kind of seeing how your philosophy and, you know, just dealing with the mental aspect of it, which is something, you know, was kind of new to me of how you deal with the mental aspect of the athlete, you know, especially, you know, being a high school coach now. Yeah, I think a piece of it is that you got to build a connection. And some people you can connect with almost immediately. Some people it takes some time. And some people you're just never going to get there. Uh, but I think now it, it seems like a lot of it is built on connection. They don't, they don't really uh, see or uh, authority figures are not a thing for them or to an extent. And so you got to, to me, I just got to kind of try to take that rank off my chest and like talk to them on a person-to-person basis. And then typically we come to an impasse to where – there are certain things that I know more than you, and there are certain things that you know more than me. So let's work together as a team and tra la la and fix the problem. And typically, I know I have more experience in leadership 
and uh, basically understanding the game. And if you want to play games, I can play games all day. Let's do it. But uh, if you want to work with me to solve the problems that we faced, then let's do it. And that typically, that typically is a one-size-fits-all solution for me when it comes to uh, leadership. But it's, it's got to be a different dynamic with you with high school kids. Like, I think the connection part is still the same, but how do you, how do you like come together and do whatever? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of one of those things is you have to understand one, like you said, you understand the kid you realize some kids, you know, they want you just to drill them to the wall. They want that. And there's still some kids with that mentality. No, I want you to push me. I want this. And some, you kind of have to, you got to change your strategy up a little bit. They don't respond to that necessarily. You still have to do that to an extent, but you have to be much more selective with it. Mm -hmm. And then find, you know, what pushed their buttons, you know. And once again, knowing them, who they are, uh, you know, just just as a person, you know, kind of knowing about their background, you know, because, you know, we deal with a lot of kids, you know, they don't have, you know, you know, we deal, you know, we deal, we deal with a lot of kids that don't have that. I mean, that's the simplest way to put it. I mean, you know, and you realize being a coach, you're you're kind of that, that father figure to have in their life. I mean, because you always hear stories of, you know, this kid, you know, from our teachers, oh, this kid doesn't respect me, da 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 da. But you know, when they're around me, it's like yes sir, no sir, whatever you need, yeah. uh, whatever you need me to do. And it's because they've been, you know, will be kind of summarized. Obviously, you know, take everything I say with great salt is that, you know, they've been raised by by their moms or their aunts or their grandmothers. So they're always used to having the female 40 over them and they're rejecting. It. Yep. But you come in as a man and you being firm with them, you know, they want that. Yep. They've been craving that and, you know, it's and sometimes it, you know, they'll kind of push back against it, but you know, that's what they want and that's why whatever you tell them to do, they're going to do, but once they're away from you, then it's like, oh, all right, I'm going to go back to being, you know, this person who's going to be disrespectful. Yeah, each each so individual I mean, problem is, or each individual person is different too, and that's why it's so difficult because there's no size. I just said there was one size fits all, but it, there literally is no one size fits all because it's the minutia. You can have a big plan, but it's the minutia of the interactions, and all you have to do is mess it up once, and you're over. So, But like you said, it all comes down to building those relationships. Yep, yep. But I think that's the important thing about that is, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you build that relationship, but it's also, it also doesn't mean you're necessarily the nicest person all the time. True. Like, you screw up, you're going to know about it. Mm hmm Very true. What's your favorite sport to coach or coach to sport? <laughs> Whichever one. Uh, I would say it's, uh, it, it, there's different layers to each of them. Because, you know, it's, you know, the way I look at the three sports I coach are like my, like my three children. I love them all the same amount, but I love them for different reasons. Uh, football is the one. That, football is the most intense. It's that's plain. That's plain simple. You start. You start that last week of July. You know, hopefully you're going on a, a few weeks in November with playoffs. But it it it, it has to meet grind. Because uh, you know it's the way we did this year. We started a few weeks before July, and then you know. We had morning practices, so I was there by about 5 a.m., set up the field with their coaches. we start at 6, go to about 8, and then we'd meet a little bit after school just to make sure we had a practice plan going. Saturday we were there by about 8, 9 o'clock, you know, getting stuff ready for the next week. We'd meet again on Sunday to kind of work on a practice plan, go over things. So it was seven-day weeks, but this was my first year doing varsity uh, 
football, I mean, there's no bigger adrenaline rush than uh, than going out there on a Friday night. And, you know, you got the headset on, and, you know, it's just boom, boom, boom. And, you know, and I was always kind of heartbreaking about it because, you know, we only won two games this year. Damn. But, and, you know, especially, you know, the coaches I worked with, we were all incredibly passionate about our job, still are. Uh, and, you know, the amount of work we put in, the amount of time, you know, we spent away, you know, from our families, you know, it was it was for no lack of trying, but, you know, that's the the epitome of sports is, you know, trying's great, but you have to produce the results. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, but you asked me about it now, I'm ready for football to start up again. Because it was just, you know, I, I, I love the intensity of it. Yep. Basketball, you know, like we we kind of got off on a tangent about it. Basketball is the one I had to do the most studying. Because I didn't play it, you know, in high school or junior high. Uh, so it's a lot of me learning about it. You know, even football, I'd never done secondary before. But, you know, being that, you know, I played football, and football was one of the sports I most like to watch, you know, I picked it up pretty quick. And that, you know, I had a lot of people helping me. And the same thing in basketball. The two guys I worked with were true gentlemen because they knew a lot about basketball. And every time I had a question, they need to learn anything, they helped me out. And, you know, I think that's the thing I enjoyed most. I'm going to enjoy most about this season, especially going next season, that, you know, I feel like I'm learning more and more, and that's the fun part of it. And also, the basketball was kind of interesting this year just for the fact that, I had about 15 guys when the season started, and due to a number of different things, we had to move some guys up. We had some guys in the past. I was down to seven for the <laughs> second half of my season. But I loved those seven kids. Those seven kids worked their tails off of me. And, you know, once again, it was one of those things I like to say we had a better record than we did. But, you know, I'll take that, you know, with what those kids gave me. And for me, track, I just love it because it's, it's, it's so skill-based. It's kind of, you know, especially the two sports I coach, it's pole vault and discus. And it's so much of you putting all these little things together to do one big thing. Discus is very, you have to have your steps right, you have to move this way, you got to be fluid, you got to be smooth. Pole vault the exact same way. So I just love the beauty of it when it all comes together. So... I would say, yeah, I'm giving you a very non-committal answer on what my favorite is, but those are all the different reasons I, you know, I love each of them individually. It just seems like you've done, you uh, you found the niche that you wanted to and you're doing what you love to do, which is awesome. It's always awesome to hear somebody that got to a point where, like you, like you said, you had like a, there's a two-year gap in your life after uh, college where you didn't know you might be doing a completely separate job of what you're doing now, but you actually got to realize that this is what you wanted to do or you've known this is what you wanted to do and then you got to do it and now you're doing it and you love it so it's awesome so it's awesome to hear that and have that passion it's cool it is but like i said it was you know it was you know it it was a lot of things just just life kind of finding ways to work together and the people in your life kind of figure out a way because i would say when i got what the right before I started teaching, the, probably the person who had the biggest impact on me getting this job uh, was Ellis, because we were living in. Because I, I was kind of living back and forth between Austin College Station, but most I was living with him. And it was about it was the summer before I got the job here, and I was applying to a bunch of places. But you know, my whole goal was San Antonio, Austin College Station. You know, I wanted to live in the city. Yep. And 
you know, those places because they, they, you had zero experience, even with a good, you know, I, I still taught at a good school. I went to A&M. So I went in there thinking, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hot stuff. You know, they're going to want to hire me. <laughs> and they were like, no, we do not. And uh, it was like, a, it was in July. It was on a Saturday. My mom had called me and she was like, hey, uh, and she just kind of checking in. It was like, hey, you know, uh, you value has some job openings. You might want to consider it. And I just kind of was like, oh, okay, mom, I'll, I'll think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I got the phone. I was just kind of sitting on uh, on the couch. I was talking, I was talking about this. I'm like, hey, uh, mom was telling me, uh, you know, they're thinking about, they're having some job openings in uh, Uvalde. And I was kind of laughing off. And he just kind of looked at me. You know, you know, uh, Ellis, you know, he can be, you know, he's pretty relaxed, you know, jovial. But he's got serious as probably I've ever seen him before. He just kind of looked at me. He's like, do you want to teach? I was kind of still laughing. They like, asked me again, do you want to teach? I'm like, well, yeah. And then fill out the application. And he just kind of said like that and got up and walked away. Oh. So I filled out the application on a Sunday, submitted. Monday, they called me for an interview. Uh, I was driving down to interview on a Wednesday. And as I'm going down there, another school in Uvalde called me that they wanted to interview me as well. Well, I was like, well, I'm already interviewing here. It's like, well, just come by after and we'll talk to you. So I go, I go, you know, I call my mom. She's in the teacher's like, hey, what do I do? I'm like, well, you have to let the first school know they want to interview you. They have first pick on you. So I'm like, okay. Go in there. It's like, hey, just before we start, just need to let you know the school wants to meet with me. So the guy, as I found out right when I met him, he was getting his doctorate at Texas A&M. So the fact I walked in with that Aggie ring, he liked. So we asked him about two or three questions. like, uh, I'm just going to stop the interview. I want to hire you. Uh, so I just need to know what I need to do uh, to have you choose this school than the other one. Now, what this guy doesn't know is I had $80 in my bank account. <laughs> and I would, if he would have paid me to pick up pennies off the ground, I would have done it. So I, I just finally see myself in a bargaining position. I was trying to play the coolest game of poker I ever played. If you ever played poker with me, I'm just tapping the table. Like, you no, are terrible. No. I'm a terrible <laughs> poker player. The only reason I ever won is because I played good hands. It wasn't because I was thinking of strategy about how to get out of it. But, you know, I, I was kind of like, all right, well, you know, this place, you know, they want to, they were going to hire me to coach because when I went to apply here, all they wanted me to do was uh, teach history. I'm like, well, that place uh, will give me a, will give me a coaching spot. I'm like, do you have any coaching spots here? It's like, well, I think we have a volleyball spot open. I was like, well, they're offering me football. You know, I, I you know, nothing against volleyball. I really want to coach football. And luckily, uh, the AD at the time was one of my old coaches. So he called the AD and was like, hey, what can we do? And he came back and was like, no, no, he wants you on his staff and we'll work it out here. So that's how I got, ended up getting this job. And as much as I hate to do it, I had to give a lot of credit to Ellis because he's the one who actually made me fill the application. Yeah, you should never give Ellis credit for anything. I, I shouldn't. And <laughs> he, takes, he takes a lot of uh, pride in whenever I tell this story. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I ran across Ellis's uh, serious side one time. Uh, most of it, we lived, me, I, me, him, and Adam lived together for a little while, and I ran across. Oh, I remember that place. Yeah, oh, yeah. I remember that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the one time I ran across his serious side, uh, I started playing with his little rosary that he held on his door, or whatever the case is. So, I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't take it as seriously as Ellis did. And so, I, I got, uh, I got a talking to. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's 
like that. You know, he's pretty. It's pretty low key, but when when he's uh, when he jumps right into it, it's like, oh yeah, I better just right. uh, relax. But but no, and and yeah, and that you know, it, it was weird because I I'll tell you for about probably the first two or three years I was here, I was thinking oh, I'm only be here for two or three years and I'm eventually gonna go. But I think you know, I think you've even said this about me before. I'm somebody when I get in my routine, I get in my routine, and I don't usually like to switch it up that much. Yep. And I think that was kind of becoming. And you know, I like the people I worked with, even though uh, it was tough because you know a lot of people I worked with they end up going somewhere else because you know Uvalde has a tough time just holding on to people. I don't even necessarily think it's always you know it's necessarily always school district's fault that Uvalde is a small community. Mm-hmm. If you're a young person, there's just not a whole lot for you here. I think that's, you know, ended up driving a bunch of people, you know, around my age, you know, who I got along with to end up going somewhere else. Yeah, but you're and around then, you're around family so and everything, so. I said you're around family I and everything, think, so. And you know what? And, but as I got older, that became more important to me. Yeah. You know, when I came here at 27, I was like, you know, well, I can live in San Antonio. I'd be close to my family. Uh, but, you know, as, you know, even before my mom had a stroke, it was kind of like, you know, I, I liked it. I can just go visit my parents or, you know, I like to have my own place, but if I want to just go see them on a Tuesday night and pop in and say hello, I can do that. And, you know, especially now that, you know, I got, I got the three little ones who they love going to see my parents, you know, that's even better. Yeah. All right. But, but no, it's just, yeah, it's just kind of, it's funny, you know, end up like being that and just, Oh, it, just, it takes a lot of weird, random coincidences to kind of get you to where you're supposed to be and the people who kind of just fall across your lap. Well, George, thank you so very much, man, for doing that or doing this. I do appreciate it. We're at uh, 53 minutes. so. Oh, wow. I know, right? <laughs> Fucking time flies, right? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. Hey, man, I appreciate it. This is, uh, I'm talking to future Mark Mariner right here. Uh, Mark Mariner, his retarded brother or whatever, like... Oh, yeah, oh, you I, know what? Once you start talking about uh, Burger King between your ads, you got that ad money. You know, remember the little people who were here first. That that's true. I'll I'll make sure to throw pennies on the ground for you so you can pick them throw up. Pennies, throw pennies on the ground for me, dude. I, I got like I said, I got three kids now. Uh, it's uh, every little bit helps. Yeah, that's good. I will uh I will throw money your way most 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 definitely. George, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, man. Oh, not a problem, man. You take it easy. All right, you too.